I want to share with you a subject uh, today, and I'm still sharing some things, and God just keeps stirring my heart about the importance of the Christian community having a proper perspective on life, decisions that we make, decisions that we have no control over, actions that we observe, words that we hear, things that we see, to have the right perspective. So I want to continue our thoughts about a Christian worldview, how we're to look at life, how we are to look at the world, and, and how a distorted worldview begins to develop in our minds and in our hearts. A lady came to her pastor uh, after a, a Sunday sermon service and she came to him and says, I just want to, I, I've, I've got to confess a sin. And he said, well, it's not necessary to confess to me, just confess it to the Lord. She said, no, 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 I want to tell you, I've got this sin that I just need, need some help with. And he said, okay, what is that sin? She said, well, it's the sin of pride. She says, I found myself the, one day this week just sitting in front of a mirror, admiring my beauty for over an hour. And the pastor looked at her and he said, ma'am, he said, I appreciate your confession, but you're confessing the wrong thing. You do not have the sin of pride. You've got the sin of imagination. <laughs> I want to share some thoughts with you today about the sin of pride and how it connects to our worldview, how it affects our worldview. Now, we have been studying over the last several weeks a passage in Romans chapter 12. And uh, so uh, I, I want to go back to that passage. And, you know, there's just a lot of meat there. And somebody says, well, I've already heard a sermon on Romans chapter 12. Well, you've heard three or four of them, and I'm going to share another one with you today. But I want us to grab a truth out of this text that recently God just sort of revealed this truth to me as, as to how it is so connected to everything I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks. So let's look, if you will, in Romans chapter 12. And I want to begin reading uh, with verse 1. Uh, but our focus over the last few weeks has been verse 1 and 2. I want us to really look at uh, verse 3. But let's start with verse 1, get a running start. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's where we normally stop with this passage. But he has just said, be not conformed to this world. And then he talked about renewing your mind. But now notice what else the Apostle Paul transitions to and connects with that same thought. Because he uses this preposition for, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, that is seriously, intellectually, logically, to think according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He says, do not be conformed to this world. And then he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. In other words, if you have pride, if you're thinking more highly of yourself than you should, if you're guilty of the sin of pride, you're going to have a distorted worldview and you are going to be conformed to this world. Madison Avenue has captured the attraction that we have towards our egos, towards narcissism, towards this matter of pride. I got an email just uh, yesterday, well, day before yesterday. Um, I, I, I don't know how I got on this uh, list, but you know how you just get on things and I, don't, I hadn't had time to unsubscribe yet. And every now and then there's some good ideas here. It's called Home Advisor. And Home Advisor would just send me unsolicited emails from time to time. And it's talking about, uh, this is one is about 10 standout projects for, your, uh, for this year or for your area. It's talking about kitchen remodel, interior painting, countertops, bathroom remodel, things like that. But it's talking about fixing up your home and that sort of thing. Home Advisor. But what caught my attention was the subject line. And you can come up and look at this after the service and see it. This is the subject line to the email I got. Make your neighbors jealous. Ten standout projects. You know what that's an appeal to? That's an appeal to pride. Make your neighbors jealous. Uh, I, I, I need to have some home improvements from time to time just to, so I won't make my neighbors ashamed. But, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting that they've latched on to this, this idea that people have a tendency to be proud. Well, you know we've been looking at Romans chapter 12, but you know there's a parallel passage that we've also been looking at. And I want you to turn there for just a moment, and I want to connect the dots. 1 John chapter 2. By the way, Brother John is teaching on Wednesday nights uh, on the book of 1 John, and there's just some wonderful truths there. I hope you'll come and be a part of that Bible study. But in 1 John chapter 2... Uh, look in verse 16. We've been reading 15, 16, and 17. But let's just look at verse 16 for our purpose this morning. For all that is in the world. Now remember, Paul said, be not conformed to this world. John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Another passage we read, do not be friends with the world. But this is what he says is in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Now, all, we understand that. We understand the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. We understand the appeal, the attraction to the eyes. But notice how he concludes this. This is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. Go to Proverbs, if you will, chapter 6. In 
your Old Testaments, just past the book of Psalms, Proverbs chapter 6, and look, if you will, in verse 16 and following. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, I don't know that the following list is exhaustive. I think it's really more suggestive. But to be suggestive, the Lord, the writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put down these seven sins and specifically said, these are sins that God hates. Now, we think of God as a God of love. But the Bible here says these are sins that God hates. Now, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. I don't want you to miss that. He does. But, but these are things that the Lord of love literally hates. And look what is on number one. Of, look, look at the very first one. A proud look. And he goes on to say, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imagination, feet that be swift to run into mischief, a false witness that uh, speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. You know, seriously, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody really just confess the sin of pride. I, I, I shared that story, but uh, the truth is, I don't know that I've ever had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm so proud. <laughs> pride we're going to learn and parenthetically I'm trans, I, I, I am transitioning uh, to, to another short series on this subject but I wanted to make a connection to what we've been talking about in a Christian worldview. so we're going to be talking about this subject of pride for at least another week and maybe another couple of weeks because I want you to see, I'm going to show you some things that you may have never thought about how devastating, because this is a subtle sin that can destroy, listen, it can destroy homes. There are some marriages, maybe some in this room, that one day those relationships may be on the rocks. And I want you to see what the devil will use to destroy a home. And how he uses the sin of pride. I want you to see how the devil can use the sin of pride to harm the fellowship of a church. To destroy the witness and the vitality of the church. We're going to see how this sin is so destructive and so deadly. Folks, it can bring down a nation. So, so I want you to see the consequences of the sin. But now before we talk about what pride is, let me just share with you a couple of things that pride is not, okay? Because I, I don't want you to misunderstand what, what I'm sharing with you. Pride is not self-esteem. When I'm talking about pride, I'm not talking about someone who might have a good self-esteem. I personally think it is right, righteous, and holy to have a good self-esteem, to think well of yourself. In fact, Jesus said, what did, what, what, was, what did Jesus teach us? Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. And so if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love neighbors. Now, it's not talking about the kind of love of self where you stand in front of a mirror and sing how great thou art. Uh, that, that, 
That's not what he's talking about. But, but a healthy perspective of who you are in Christ Jesus. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's appropriate to have a, a, a good self-esteem, to think well of yourself. Um, you know, I know some Christians who think they're being humble by constantly putting themselves down. Now, I, I like humor and I like to tell jokes and, and honestly, I'm guilty of some self-depreciation myself, and, and, but, but it's done in the context of humor. But I'm talking about seriously people who are always moaning and groaning about how useless they are and I'm just not any good and I'm worthless. And I've even known some to even threaten suicide for attention, for pity. Well, I, I, I might as well just kill myself. I'm not any help to any use to me. Let me tell you something. That is a sinful thought. It's the wrong perception for a believer to have of who you are in Christ Jesus. I can't do anything. I'm not important. Let me tell you something. That's not humility. That is sin. Humility, humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. Humility is not, even, is not thinking of yourself. That's what humility is, not even thinking about yourself. So, so when I talk about pride, I'm not talking about self-esteem. And I'm not talking about confidence. I think Christians ought to have a certain amount of confidence that God is in control. You know, my dad was a humble man, but one of the things I appreciate about him and our family is I never heard him poor-mouthing and talking about how, even when times were tough, and times were tough from time to time. But I remember he always just, he seemed to have this confidence. You know what? If, if we do our part, if we work hard, if we're people of faith, God is not going to let us down. God, I, I, my confidence is not in me. My confidence is in God. Uh, we, we serve a risen Savior. And, and so when I talk about pride, I'm not just talking about confidence. But our confidence isn't in ourselves, in our abilities, our wit, our talent, our personalities. It's a confidence in who we are in, in Christ. So I'm not talking about self-esteem when I talk about pride. I'm not talking about confidence. I'm not talking about rejoicing in honor. When, you know, there's some athletes that whenever they achieve certain things, yes, they're proud and they take the credit for it. But, but there's some that are very proud of their accomplishment, not in the bad sense of the word. If they win a gold medal or the state championship or some type of trophy or national championship or whatever, they have a sense of achievement, a sense of gratitude, and they're honored for that. And receiving that honor in and of itself, when, when you've achieved something, when you've accomplished something, that in itself is not, it's not necessarily pride. It can be, but it's not necessarily. And I'll tell you why I believe that. It's because the Bible teaches that we are to give honor to, who, to whom honor is due. And the Lord would not have taught us to give honor to someone if it was a sin for them to receive that honor. Are you with me? 
For example, let me just give you a couple of quick examples, okay? This is too good of a teaching moment just to pass through, <laughs> pass over. I want you to look in 1 Peter chapter 3. Ladies, you will like this, okay? So if you can't find it in Scripture, be sure you read it on the screen, and it's a good time to elbow your husband. Listen to the preacher. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Now, this is talking about husbands to their wives. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Men ought to give honor to their wives. So, so if it was a sin for the wife to receive that honor, then the Lord wouldn't have told us that. Okay, guys, just in all fairness, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And look, if you will, in verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. <laughs> that just simply means to give him honor. Now, we're going to come back to how pride affects the home and marriage relationships. Because I want to tell you, on any given Sunday, there could be someone here, and, and in their home, they don't have holy matrimony, they have holy war. God has a word. You know, Barnabas was an encourager. He was someone who helped give people honor. So, so when I talk about pride, I'm not talking about self-esteem. I'm not talking about rejoicing in honor. I'm not talking about confidence. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about receiving expressions of gratitude. Someone comes to you and expresses appreciation for something you've done, something you've ministered to them. And, and by the way, you ought to do that. You ought to be people of gratitude. I think that's one of the most important attributes that we can teach our children, our young people. It's one of the most important attributes that a church can have. You know, whenever you're thankful, you're not hateful. Whenever you're thankful, you're not mean. Whenever you're thankful, you don't disrespect. Whenever you're thankful, you do not take things for granted. You do not have an entitlement mentality when you truly are grateful. Corey Ten Boom, who wrote The Hiding Place, and you know, she spoke way back in Billy Graham Crusades and things, but Corey Ten Boom said that I love the analogy, the illustration, the word picture that she, she painted. She says, You know, people come up to me and tell me how thankful they are for words I've spoken. Or they tell me how grateful they are for a book that I've written. Or they, they express gratitude to me for some way that I've blessed them or ministered to them. And she says, I don't let it build pride in my heart. I guard against that. Because she says, I receive every compliment, every expression of thanksgiving as a flower. And this person comes up to me and says, thank you. 
She says, I receive it, not literally, but figuratively. She says, I take it as a flower and I put it in a little bouquet in my heart. She says, all throughout the day, people may say to me, oh, Miss Corey, thank you for this and thank you for that. She says, I take that flower, take this flower, take that flower. And I put it in a bouquet in my heart. And she says, at the end of every day, I give my bouquet to Jesus. Because I know it's him that is working in me and through me. And it's not my ability. So, so when I say pride, I'm not talking about receiving expressions of gratitude. And I'm not talking about satisfaction in a job well done. You know, folks, I think another hallmark characteristic of, of Christian people ought to be a good work ethic. I mean, doing the very best at whatever you do. I mean, if you're sweeping the floors, sweep the corners, you know? Do the very best. And, and, and having satisfaction in a job well done. Did you know there's a verse in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23? That says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And every Christian ought to do his work with pride. So I'm not talking about satisfaction in a job well done. Well, therefore, what is pride? If, if, that's, if that's what pride is not... Uh, what are we talking about when we talk about pride? Well, I ran across this. Somebody jotted this down. They, uh, uh, it's just a little checklist about pride. We're going we're gonna to get into a scriptural view of it, but, but just li listen to this. If, do you have, this helps us know if we have a problem with pride, okay? Does it irritate you when someone corrects you for your faults? Do you find yourself accepting praise for things over which you have no control? That is, you accept praise for natural abilities and gifts that God has given you and bestowed upon you, yet you receive the praise as unto yourself rather than acknowledging that it was God that gave you that ability, gave you the strength, gave you the motivation, gave you the intellect, gave you whatever, and you acknowledge that, that it was only because of his provision? Are you an individual who, when he does make a mistake, always has an alibi? Always has an excuse? Always justifies that mistake and brushes it off? Never willing to admit that you were wrong? Always having to win every argument. That is an indication of a proud heart of pride. When someone wrongs you or does something you dislike, do you ever just rationalize, well, I can get along without that individual. I don't need that person. It's a sense of self-sufficiency is a sin of pride? Do you find it difficult to seek counsel? To, to, to go to someone that might could impart some wisdom 
or biblical perspective? Are you the type of individual who brags, I don't need anybody telling me what to do? That can be a sin of pride. I, I, I remember before the days of GPS and the convenience of having it on the phone, uh, you know, Becky and I'd be driving somewhere. Every now and then she'd say something like, you don't think we ought to stop and get directions? <laughs> no, I'm going to figure this out myself. Now, if that was anybody else, it would be pride. <laughs> Having an ungrateful spirit. All of these things can be an indication of the sin of pride. It, you see, it's really an attitude of independence from God. It is, simply, it is simply saying, God, I, I really don't need you. I can manage my life without you. It, it, it's, it's an arrogance, a self-sufficiency. Just independence from any type of authority, any type of direction. And, and this is such a, such a sinister, sinister and subtle sin that it begins in our hearts because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. The Bible says that. And did you know that we're born with that inclination, with that proclivity? The propensity towards pride is innate within all of us. And it starts manifesting itself sometimes at a very young age. I remember, I may have shared this with you before, but I, I remember when Bethany, uh, you know, I was, so, I was such a happy daddy of a girl. I loved being the daddy of a girl. And, you know, they were prissy, and, uh, but, but it was just fun to watch them play with their dolls and dress up and tea parties. And I played Pretty Pretty Princes. And, you know, it, just, it was just, when she was just little. And I'll never forget, you know, that precious little sweet, dainty girl when she was about two or three years old, her mother, and we don't know where this came from, but her mother said to her, corrected her about something. She was doing something wrong. Her mother corrected her. And I'll never forget, she spun around, she looked at her mother, and she said, I just a little, little thing. She said, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> and we're thinking, where did that come from? It was in her heart. It's that proclivity to... To rebel against authority. Pride is the independent, an attitude of, it's an attitude of ingratitude. It can be reflected in, in so many areas of our life. The, a, to not only say it verbally, but even in our spiritual life, even in our church life. You know, even during the offering time, whenever we're, we're not acknowledging through our stewardship 
Obedience to Scripture and gratitude in our heart for God's provision, that, that can be a sin of pride. In making decisions without prayer, You, have you ever gone, made a decision in your life, whether it was vocational, educational, recreational, whether it was with your family, but where you just did not acknowledge the Lord? I mean, you didn't go to the Lord and seek his wisdom. You didn't pray about it. Do you know when we go through life without praying, that can be an indication of pride? I don't need God. It's an, it's an attitude of independence. It's an attitude of ingratitude. And God says, I hate that sin, that sin of pride. If pride controls your life, It will cause you to have a distorted worldview. You're going to look at the world. You're going to look at life. You're going to look at decisions. And you're going to leave God out of the equation. And one of the things we're going to learn in this study, and there's just, uh, I've run out of time before I've even run out of the first part of this sermon. But one of the things that we're going to learn, one of the truths that I'm going to share with you is the Bible teaches that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You know, there's some things sometimes that you may go to church and you may hear the preacher say or Sunday school teacher say and it just sort of rubs you the wrong way and you say, I didn't like that. I don't think I'm going to go back. He shouldn't talk about it. Let me tell you, if it's coming out of the word of God, that is pride, that is resistance to God's word being placed in your heart. And the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Paul said, be not conformed to this world, and in so doing, do not let a man think more highly of himself than he should.